This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. Everybody, welcome to Signals oh. from the Frontline. We can all. Were you still uh, flexing? That was me flexing. That's all I got these days. That's all I got. Oh man. Uh, this is your live cast every Wednesday on Twitch. If you miss us on Twitch, you can always catch us for the rebroadcast on YouTube's Friday mornings at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. As always, the show is brought to you by FrontlineGaming.org, where you can get your tabletop gaming goodies at a discount all the days of the week. My name is Reese, otherwise known as Reeseus on the interwebs, and with me as always is Sir Francis McGillicuddy and his trusty sidekick, the Salty Banana. Hello. I thought it'd be funny if we called him Francois. Fran- or Francois. Francois? Francois? Yeah. I like that. Let's French it up. I like that. Francois. Add a bit of class to this office. No, there's no way that's going to stick. <laughs> uh, so anyway, guys, we have an uh, action-packed show for you, so let's dive in. Mm. First of all, this week's pre-orders from GW are some new Ideneth Deepkin models, including... Volturnos, High King of the Deep. Wouldn't it be the Low King? That's what I was, I was thinking. Yeah, the Deep King. Deep King of, of the, the Deep. Deep. Yeah. deep. <laughs> the Deepest Come King. Come on, man. I was like, High King of the, the Low Place. Yeah. I guess it'd be easy to be the High King of the Lowest Place. Would it? Yeah. Mm. He's cool. He's got like an eye patch. What if he does. Like a king above you. I like the guy with the helmet. I think the helmet just looks better, but. And then. Uh, and it's, but it's not the High King. It's just a general. Yes, he is. Do you, you can have. Do he's actually a king. He's not the high king. But right. He's an Achillean king. All right, guys, think about this. Mm-hmm. If he's riding that seahorse through the ocean, wouldn't mm-hmm. that helmet just like catch all the water and like rip his head back? It would not be very hydrodynamic. Yeah. That is well, absolutely yeah. correct. Frankie, like, magic. Ma- oh, you're right. Happen. I forgot about okay. magic. Yeah. So they, they, instead Good of point. magical water around them. When they're underwater, they have magical air around them. Ooh. It's the aether signal. I like it. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So like they kind of act normally wherever they are. He's right? in the ocean. Like yeah. Don't question things. Yeah. What if the guy who does the magic like falls asleep at the job and just they all they die, all die <laughs> yeah. instantly crushed by the pressure and drown? That would be a bad day. You for trademark that. I hope they like. It. Come, like Teclas becomes like their their arch enemy, and he always goes after him and try to kill him. It's like ah, oh, boiled like, again. And he's like he's kind of like Inspector Gadget. He's always looking for them. The Doctor Claw. Yeah, so he shows up. Hmm, like there's coral on this mountaintop. They must have been here, and then it's like a whole adventure of Teclas going to try to kill these he elves could, that he created. He's Skeletor. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, Volturnos, you boob. <laughs> no, wait, did, did you ever see the episode of uh, Inspector Gadget? I was a huge Inspector Gadget fan when I was a kid. When uh, don't break the broadcast, <laughs> desk. they actually showed Doctor Claw's face, and it absolutely ruined it. I never saw that. He was entirely unscary. He looked no. like a middle-aged man. I, I actually never saw that. He was a balding yeah, middle-aged that. dude, and I was like, I don't think it actually ever terrible. happened. I think Reese dreamt it. No, they did. They actually showed Doctor Claw. Reese's fan fiction. He wrote yeah. as a ten-year-old child, and uh, where uh, Penny was my girlfriend. I had a crush on Penny. Yeah, she she did that. She was cool, man. She she was. Definitely the, the, the brains and the bronze of that team. Yeah, Her, didn't she show a little skin every once in a while? What? She was good. a prepubescent child. Yeah, but so was I. Fair enough. <laughs> Touche. Now so. it would be weird if I was... That like, would be really weird. As a kid. Yeah. 
I just like that she had that cool watch that could like talk to Brain, the dog. That was pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Volturno's King of the Deep uh, also makes the Achillean King, yep. the generic uh, HQ. And then the Namarti Reavers, this is the troop. These uh, guys are cool. The ranged troop. And the rules are okay. Like, I'm not the biggest fan of them. They're kind of a, a mediocre shooting unit. Uh, they hit on fours, wound on fours, or at close range, they have three shots uh, hitting on fours, wounding on fours. They only have 18 inch range, and then they have nine inch range for the three shot. So, ah, it's okay. Fours and fours is nothing to get excited about. And uh, Is there a way to boost it? Not really. You can get reroll ones to hit. And um, it's, it's okay. You can get reroll ones to wound. I think I might only be for thralls. Mm -hmm. So, not the best. Um, this is. There's the king. There's the king. Right there. There's it. He's on a seahorse. These models are really cool. And the That's Thralls, amazing. or the Reavers, um, I don't care what the rules are. Those are some of the coolest models I think Games Workshop has made really across are. any line of any time. They're just so, the dynamic, the poses, the running. They just, they're I cool. mean, they're very similar to, um, I would say, Privateer Press models uh, for, um, oh, I can't think of, I'm not a huge player, but they, they remind me a lot of one of their factions. Mm. Um, and they're just, God, they're so good. They're, yeah, they're, they're really yeah. cool models. Um, the, the Thralls are amazing. I, yeah. So the Reavers, like, I'd give them, I don't know, like, I, I haven't actually played the Deepkin yet, so I could be totally wrong. But uh, reading the book, they, they're pretty decent missile troop, but then I'm used to playing free people where I'm hitting on twos, yeah. wounding on twos, Which one. That could crazy. not have been the intention of that <laughs> whatsoever. It's, it has to have been the intention. It's so easy to do it. They just don't think about different combos. <laughs> I mean, that combo is the only person that plays free people. So. Yeah, I probably am one of the few. Yeah. Although every time I go to a tournament, I do see at least one or two other free people players. Yeah. yeah. And their armies are always better painted than mine. <laughs> Unfortunately, like a lot of the free people's armies I've seen are absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. A lot um, of them are carryover, I think, from fantasy. They so. are. Yeah, they are. <laughs> and then lastly, it's also Lotan, Warden of the Soul Ledgers. This guy's awesome. With I, his octopus bodyguard. It's, it's not an octopus, it's an octar. Ooh. Ooh. They call it an octar? Yeah. Mm. And, uh, TM. TM, yeah. <laughs> and the sharks are called alopexes, which I actually think is an awesome name for a shark. Alopex. I guess they can't TM shark. The shark the, the shark kit with the two guys on it, it's actually, he's really good. Yeah. Um, I think that the, the Achillean, um, the guys riding the eels, those guys are extremely good. Like, they, they have released. great rules. No, those are coming out this weekend, I think, with the turtle. I yeah. Think they're out, yeah. Yeah. Battle turtle, 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 flying turtle. 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 So Dude, sick. he can do six yeah. mortal wounds with an attack. That's awesome. Good. I mean, it's on. It's one attack and it's on a six, but yeah. that's devastating. He's just like... Rah! And it's a sea turtle. It's yeah. a flying sea turtle. I wonder how big the model is going to be. It's, it looks it's huge. Because so. the, the Eidolons are gigantic. Like They are so much bigger than you would think. Yeah. Uh, the actual scale of the the models, though, is they're very small. But like they, they're elf like, like they're they're um, they're way bigger than the elves in fantasy were, though. Like everything is is bigger. It's because they're more dynamic. They now. are, but like I I am okay with the scale. So if you look at like I mean, and the thralls are actually a little bit bigger than like the proper elves, yeah. which are like the heroes and, and the generals, and um, those guys are real real thin, yeah. um, which is what you'd expect, just tall and thin. Yeah, you know, with the the aesthetic. And in, in the back, in the lore too, like the thralls are born with like a, a withered soul, yeah. so like they're blind and like for them life is really crappy. They have to eat souls to survive. They have to kill people to survive. Never like heard they that. don't have a choice. Yeah. Oh. Um, and Lotan helps. He's like, he has like a ledger of all the souls. Like he yeah. he helps them. He buffs them. He gives them reroll ones to hit. Yeah. He's the soul capturer. 
he well he's like so he's in the main faction but he goes he'll work with any of the sub factions yeah and he's like obsessed with going out and like keeping his people alive and trying to like capture yeah. the souls so he buffs thralls um and then his octo his octar is actually pretty good in combat oh, yeah, um, he's got a sword and a mace and a cudgel Ooh. a cudgel yeah Sorry. the thing yeah. that i love about the he, he pokes pen. people with his pin <laughs> I was like, what? the quill is yeah, a quill yeah. and it's like, yeah, stay away from me. Yeah. Oh my god! So the best thing about the the deepkin though that I like in the lore is that for them, like any soul's a goal, right? So like they <laughs> will. It doesn't matter who what soul it is. They're like, oh, oh you're yeah. you're a dwarf or you're a human or yeah. you're a, a chaos mutant, whatever. Like we're still gonna kill you. Yeah. Just take your soul. <laughs> like well, because they're fighting for survival. Like yeah. they don't necessarily want to be raiders and pirates, but they have to, they don't have a choice. Right. So the ones, the leaders of their faction, the Achelians, they're normal, they're born with a full soul. Right. They live they super long. They look like elves. Yeah. And, yeah. But they're all like nobles and knights and the thralls just got doo-dooed on. Like they're like They're like, the, they're like the lowest. They're like, cannon fodder too. Part. They're like, go forward and those of you that survive, yeah. Get to get to keep living, and you're yeah. like, oh man, it's a tough life for these poor guys. I think I mean I, a lot of people aren't super happy with the rules, but I think in terms of amazing. in terms of aesthetics, in terms of the lore, everything like that, I think it's another home run. I think they they hit two in in, in a row here. I, I think that with these guys daughters look, of Cain and then these guys. Oh yeah, yeah. like I was yeah. talking to uh, Chuck. He uh, he's one of the the really active organizers in the Age of Sigmar North American community. Mm-hmm. He played Daughters of Cain at Adepticon. We actually have a, a battle report from his blog going up tomorrow on Frontline Gaming, if you're interested in reading about Daughters of Cain in a, a very competitive environment, um, the, the damage output of the Daughters of Cain is insane. Like he said, he was like going into corn units and just mur- butchering them. Nice. Like the Witch Elves do insane amount of damage. And looking at the Deepkin, I think, if you're looking for an Age of Sigmar army, that's a lot of combos to it, which is the way I like to play. They have so many different combos that are um, it takes the basic thralls who are already really good they're like an elite unit and you can make them crazy strong i think a thrall army would be really really effective uh in age of sigmar so maybe we'll put one together um when we find you know more time we'll get the 20 25th hour yeah Yeah. i haven't even finished my free people like they're tournament ready but like i was gonna go paint their flags and everything my poor undead has been sitting on that desk forever yeah <laughs> they're for crying. Months. i got them put together and i got them primed you should just airbrush white like and i still need more i think yeah. then you'd have two colors <laughs> i still need to put together the gash like i still have so much to do Arcan. and your army looks so good the death army looks awesome on yeah. the table i love the models it does the morgasts and the um the Black Knights. The, and the, uh, the big guys. Yeah. They look so fucking good. They do. You got to finish that army. I know. We all do. God, win though. Hey, we'll uh, have a day, just like a Saturday, where we all sit down at that table and just work on your army. We should. Sure. Really? And yeah. that's like, and, they, like you, and you have to. Like, it's an eight-hour day. Yeah. <laughs> it's a work day. It's the only way to do it. I know. Oh, that's like the, one of the reasons I didn't play at the Broadside Bash is that the army, I got my army out, I put it on the tray... And then I realized three of the models weren't three colors or based. Yeah. And I was like, I've pulled models off the table yeah. for other people. I can't show up to an event right. being a total hypocrite. Well, we also know of a really good paint studio yeah. that we can utilize. Well, yeah, but like, what are we going to do? <laughs> bump our own customers out of the queue? No, to it's going to queue. It'll be, yeah. hey, we have a really fast queue, Reese. It's about a month. <laughs> it's about a month to get your project started. It's yes. just it's yes. what it is. Yep. Uh, in other news, Forge World has shown off a couple new models that look very cool. I cannot remember the name of this one, and I forgot to write it in the notes because I'm a pro. It's for guard, right? It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an armored version of the little oh, five-person yeah. command carrier, which is called a centaur. Ooh. 
It's an armored centaur. That it actually looks pretty cool. It looks awesome. Like yeah. it looks like an Arbites. Uh, it looks like it would be. Looks pretty awesome. Not very yeah. useful because it carries five people and it has a heavy stubber. But for the modelers out there, for your solar auxilia, this is what this is meant for. Yeah. It looks really cool. And then we've got uh, a new Necromunda. Sick. He's a Cyber Mastiff, which is like a really cool part of the lore of 40K. Like mm -hmm. uh, I've never seen one used by the gangers before. They were always with Adeptus Arbites. Yeah. And uh, uh, I always loved them. Yeah. Uh, when we were playing the 40K RPG, I was an Adeptus Arbite, duh. Mm. And I, my one goal was to get a Cyber Mastiff. I, I didn't do it. I died on a you planet. Failed. I did. Failed to stop uh, Exterminatus on a planet and got killed. <laughs> so, hey. But a uh, really, really cool model. And uh, as I understand it, you can any gang can get a Cyber Mastiff and it looks nice. badass. Nice. The model, yeah. is the model looks it's yeah. fantastic. Compare this to the old one. <laughs> <laughs> the old one's amazing. <laughs> so Compare that ugly. to the Space Wolf Cyber Wolf. Yeah. And those are cool. <laughs> kind of. I love They're them. showing their, their age a bit. But compared to this. I love the Finraising Wolves. I think they yeah. look great. Yeah. This guy looks badass. He looks like a, a, a space Rottweiler with like a robot like mm -hmm. parts on him, which is awesome. Really, really dig it. So if you're a Necromunda fan, keep your eye open uh, for that yep. and add it to your gang. Yeah, and Gang War 3 is coming out this weekend for pre-order. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I still need to play Necromunda. Well, because the, they have a new gang coming out as well, the Vansars. Oh, yeah. that's going to be cool. They look really good. Like They're very... I keep comparing their new models to other games, but they, they are similar. There's They look like an Infinity faction. Like a lot, from a lot game of, of Infinity. Them. Yeah, it looks really good. A lot of people have been taking the Goliath models and using them to make Reavers mm -hmm. or an Asha Militarum, like really cool, like uh, alternate regiment. Yeah. Um, I think they're great for that. And then, of course, Clan Escher, if you wanted to put some female models in. Uh, like one of our friends, Doc Lomboski, has an all-female Asha Militarum army, and it looks rad. Yeah. yeah, they're all the old Escher models, the yeah. metal ones. And yeah. then he has, I think he has some Toughest Girls in the Galaxy mixed yeah. in. And he added a bunch of the new ones, too. Yeah, yeah. and it's pro-painted. Looks really good. It's amazing. It's such an amazing army. And it's like a 150 model count army, too. Yeah. It's a horde guard yeah. army with Escher metal models. Yeah. yeah. It cost a pretty penny, but it yeah. looks amazing. It's cool when you go to an event and you get to see an army like that. You're like, wow. Yeah. yeah, he converted the heavy weapon teams to have the same models. Like, it looks mm -hmm. really good. Yeah. Make sure to grab your tickets for the SoCal Open. Uh, they continue to sell well. It's going to be the biggest year ever, which, you know, it's the second year, so it's Yay. not hard to Take do. That. But <laughs> Can't wait to see everybody there. Up, it's going to be an awesome event. Uh, and of course, we're going to have Shadespire, Age of Sigmar. Uh, we are going to have War Machine Hordes. It's going to be a... Uh, the winner will get a free ticket to the LVO, to the Masters event, if I remember correctly. I'm going to make sure I'm saying that right. Yeah. Uh, which can get you to War Machine Weekend, which is uh, kind of the big deal in the War Machine Hordes community. Uh, and of course, 40K, going to be a blast. Can't wait to see everybody there. And the 40K narrative, I think, only has one ticket left. Ooh, so if you, if you want to go, please grab that. Um, That's new, right, from this year is the yeah, narrative. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same team that ran the ultra-popular 40K narrative event at the LVO. Uh, they're really, really cool guys. They do a great job. I put a lot of effort into it. So yeah. please make sure to grab those. Also, mark your calendar. First week of June, LVO 2019 registration will open. Yep. Can't believe it's already here again. Yep. But uh, here we go. Every year in June, we open up registration for the Las Vegas Open. Some of the tickets go extremely quickly. Uh, 40K Narrative, for example, sold out in like an hour. Uh, 40K Champs actually goes pretty quick at this point in time. And uh, some of the things like the high roller packages, uh, they, they tend to go in minutes. Yeah. Uh, so if you do want to grab one of those, 
please don't hesitate. Uh, jump in there, mark your calendar. Mm -hmm. We'll give you guys the exact date as we come closer to it. Uh, also, if you wanted to run an event at the Las Vegas Open 2019, please reach out to me, Reese, at contact at frontlinegaming.org. Let me know as soon as possible so that we can work out any details. See if we have room. Yeah. We're starting to actually run out of square footage, which mm -hmm. it's insane because I remember when we made the jump up to like the 100,000 square feet, we were like, oh my God, it's going to look empty. Yeah. Like, we're like, it's going like, like, to look like there's no one there. Yeah. <laughs> right. And now we're running out of room again. Yeah. Uh, crazy. Crazy. So this is going to be the weekend after the Super Bowl this year. It's uh, Yeah, the 8th through the 10th. The 8th through the 10th. Yeah. yeah. So please mark your calendars and get ready to grab uh, your registration. Uh, we recommend doing it the day that registration opens for yes. the very popular events. Otherwise, you really run the risk of missing out um, and not getting to participate in some of the really cool events because uh, it's getting to the point where we can't grow them anymore. And a lot of events this year have been selling out. Like, uh, mm -hmm. I know London GT sold out, Adepticon sold out. So Nova did. Yeah, definitely uh, don't hesitate. Yeah, please, please don't. We want to make sure everybody that wants to go does get to go. Yeah. yeah. So save your monies for June. Yeah. Boom. And then, of course, too, you can always, you know, if you want, if you if you're on a tight budget, you can just get the ticket and you can yeah. get your con badge later. We recommend getting them at the same time. Yeah. yeah. But if you're really tight on cash, you can just get the event ticket if mm -hmm. you need to. Just remember to get your con badge later. Okay. All right, ITC news got a lot of cool stuff going on in the ITC. Um, first thing, but before we dive into, I know we have so many 40k events this weekend. It's like, insane. My God, that's more than a year of Age of Sigmar. Um, <laughs> Why do you always... I always got to point that out. Be, why are you such a snarky I don't know. jerk? It's just funny to me. Um, good. It's not funny to me. <laughs> but the Age of Sigmar community is growing. Yes. And there's a lot of awesome people working in there, like Chuck, like we mentioned. Um, and he's really done a great job of bringing everybody together. And we are adopting their pack for the ITC, for Age of Sigmar, so that pretty much every event in the country is going to be using the same pack. Cool. Which is great, yeah. Nice. yeah. I applaud them for putting that together. So it's going to be like the ITC 440K, but with Age of Sigmar? Yeah, so yeah. we don't have an AOS ITC pack because we were like, just open the General's Handbook. That's right. what we've been doing. Yeah. Um, I actually helped make this pack um, a, a small small part of it. Chuck did the vast majority of the work. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've been coordinating with all the, the, the major TOs in the country mm -hmm. for Age of Sigmar, and everyone's basically using this pack. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes modified missions, which is totally fine. Uh, people like doing that, which is cool. But uh, this pack, it, it's really comprehensive. It tells you how to like start a community, how to introduce people to Age of Sigmar, how to get the ball rolling, and how to scale your event all the way up to a national event if you so choose to do, if you have that ambition to do that. So uh, by the end of the week, this week, we'll have that all integrated up on the site and all that cool stuff. So I think that's gonna help a lot to get all the Age of Sigmar community on the same page. Everyone's gonna be playing the same way. Uh, it's nothing but a positive, so. Um, Big shout out to everybody that worked so hard on that. You see the title for this one? It's after Adepticon and I'm sick of Power Gamers 40k tournament. <laughs> That's really funny. JJ's Games uh, and Hobbies in Fountain, exactly. Colorado. That is pretty funny. That's really good. Yeah, Adepticon did have a lot of the same list this year. Yeah. Some people it rubs them the wrong way. I know it's I don't it's not my favorite way to play it, but I don't like hate it or anything like that. There was a lot of flyrants. There was a lot of flyer lists. Um, but there was a topic we wanted to talk about. Now, if you are an, uh, an event organizer in the ITC, whether it's for Age of Sigmar, Shadespire, mm -hmm. 40K, whatever, we have a Facebook group. It's a private Facebook group. If you would like to be included on it, please email me. Uh, it's really, really good discussion in there. Uh, it's all people that have a vested interest in seeing events succeed. 
and we keep it private just so that we don't have a lot of people like posting stupid stuff basically. Yeah. So if you are an event organizer, please reach out. We'll get you on there, get you on the mailing list, keep you in touch. Everyone shares information. It's very positive. Uh, it's, it's a really good group. But um, uh, we had an event, the name of which escapes me. I apologize. Um, they just had 120 player event, really big. Hmm. And they went 1500 points. We're talking about 40K, two hour and 15 minute rounds. And the interesting thing is that I would think at 1500 points, even with 2.25 hour rounds, that you'd almost all the games would finish, right? Like 1500 points is a big drop from 2000 points. But they had a self reported average when they took all the games, it was an average of 3.7, let's call it four, four turns completed. Mm -hmm. That's at 1500 points. Yeah. Now, of course, it's only two point, or it's only two hour and 15 minutes. I would say if they stayed at two hour and 30 minutes, you probably would see that bump up to five turns. Those last turns tend to go really quickly. But the point I wanted to make is that I think it's really interesting, even dropping 500 points, that's a quarter of your points, 25% mm -hmm. uh, less units on the table, people still were not finishing games. I, was, I, would, I would be interested to hear feedback on what, where most of the time was going. I guarantee you it's probably set up. Turn I mean, one, turn two. That takes up the majority or of even the just Even deployment and setup. Is there, yeah. I mean, I know for me on a personal level sometimes, you know, because I'm not very good at it. <laughs> that it, I mean, honestly, that's the hardest part for me is deployment and figuring it out. It can take a long time. Yeah. You know, sometimes 20, 30 minutes, and all of a sudden, okay, let's start the game. Yeah. Well, 30 minutes down. Yeah. You know? I mean, it, we've always said it, and I think it, it just goes to show, like, even with dropping the points, games still won't finish. Mm -hmm. It really comes down to just players watching the clock and keeping their eye on it and getting to know their armies. A lot of people, before they go to an event, will change their list, and it's something that they've never done before. So you have to look up rules, you have to look up how far they move, like all these things that slow down the game. So yeah. our recommendation is always to play a list, know it, and then when you go to the event, just keep your eye on the clock. Right. So. And the, the point that it really reinforced for me is that, that it doesn't matter, right? Like, I mean, like, let me, hold on, let me back that up. It does matter the points and the time. Now, obviously, if you have 10 minutes to play 2,000 points, you're never gonna finish. If you have a reasonable amount of time, reasonable points limit, you have to have a reason to finish the game, right? If a player does not have an incentive to finish the game, they're not gonna finish the game. We've witnessed so many tournament games where like, I'll go get up people's backside, like, hey, you need to play faster. And like, okay, but there's no, why, like, if, if, there's, if there's a positive incentive to not play the distance because perhaps their army is better in the first couple turns, or if they keep going, it's more likely that they're losing, they'll, they'll lose. You have an incentive to not finish the game, right? The yeah. if, and what I'm, I'm leading, I'm going towards the chess clocks. Yeah. Chess clocks makes you finish the game, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, it, it, I, I just, it's reiterating to me over and over again that that is the only solution that's going to actually yes. make people finish the game because there's an incentive to do so. Like, yeah. if you don't finish the game, you are probably almost certainly going to lose. Right. And I'd say, like, the vast majority of people want to finish their games and they're yeah. not slow playing because that's what they want to do. A lot of people just lose track of time. Yeah. Like, uh, and unfamiliarity like, with their army. Yeah, most, most people aren't going to be like, well, if I stop the game now, I'm going to win, so that's what I'm going to do. Right. Most people actively want to finish the game, have a great game, and stuff like that. There is, of course, the small percentage that are like, oh, they can game the system. But yeah, a chess clock definitely takes that away because now yeah. you have a set amount of time that you have to play the game, and if you run out of time, then your opponent gets the rest. Right, so. and if, if, it's, if that happens because you are unfamiliar with your army, then yeah. that's on you 100%, right? Yeah. It's not, 
uh, I like the saying, you know, ignorance is not, does not, um, I don't know, you, like if you break the law because you don't know the law, it doesn't matter, you're still breaking yeah. the law. Like yeah. if you are, are not finishing your games in time because you are not familiar with your army or if you're taking the vast majority of the time of a game from your opponent because you are not familiar with the army, that's no excuse. Like, that's, it's on you. Yeah, it's, and on it's, you. Just, it's just not fair, you know. You should both have an equal yeah. amount of time to play the game. And we've all sat there at a tournament. And again, remember, this is, these are at competitive tournaments, not pickup games at your local game store. Where we've sat there, and you you just you sit for thirty minutes while your opponent's looking through their codex and they're yep. looking at the movement and they're you know like that's not fair to your opponent. Yeah, it's not fun. Yeah, and the and the, the thing is with a chess clock is that you are responsible for managing your own clock. So if you want to take your time to move slowly to count each die and sort them and then roll them, you can. But you're burning your own clock, yeah. and it's like that's the beauty of it. And like we've been playing with a clock almost every single time we play for a long time now. I totally, I, I prefer it, absolutely. Um, it's gonna be a little bit of a weird transition. Not every event needs to use clocks. We don't, mm -hmm. you know, it's totally optional. But if you really want a fair competition, I, I, I'm believing more and more strongly that you have to use the chess clock, right? It's, there's a reason they use them in chess. War Machine, I was just, a, I was hanging out with the War Machine guys at Broadside Bash. You know, we were talking about chess clocks, and they're like, dude, we would never go back. Yeah. Like, it, it makes the game absolutely They've been using them for years. Years, years yeah. and years and years, yeah. and it works. And it's... It works. And the thing is, it's like, if you want a truly equal and fair game, you have to give each person the equal amount of time. It's, it's not fair if you don't. It's yeah. literally unfair yeah. if you don't. Yeah. So, it, the, 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 the BAO, uh, again, day two... We're gonna be using clocks. The only reason we're not doing it for the whole event is we don't have enough clocks, quite frankly. And uh, a lot of people going to the BAO are going to play casually. Mm -hmm. Probably don't, it's not that big of a deal to them. And we wanna kinda of ease into it. So again, if you're going to the BAO, like do not show up having never used a chess clock in a game because you're gonna make the experience less enjoyable for yourself. Yeah, and you can um, get an app on your phone. There's, there's great chess clock apps yeah. for your phone, like Jason was saying. And then uh, it's for day two, it'll just be the people with a winning record. Right. So, so if you accidentally bring a Blood Angels list and you, be, you have a 3-0 first day, yeah. guess what? Get ready at night, study yeah. that chess clock. Yeah. Play, but I mean, if you're coming to the BAO and you think you have a chance of, of, of having won more games than you lost on day one, play a couple games with the clock. It, it really does. It takes like three games to get used to it. The first game you're like, yeah. it's like, what the hell is going on? Cause you're like so not used to using it. But once you get used to using it, it's like second nature. You don't even think about it anymore. Yeah. Uh, but you do not want to have your first game be at an event when you're already, when you're in the hunt to win and then you're trying to remember to use the clock, you're not gonna have, that's gonna be a negative experience. So make sure that you're responsible for yourself and your own enjoyment at the event. If you think you're gonna be winning, play a couple games with the clock so that when you show up, it's fun, yeah. right? And it, 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 it enhances the experience, it doesn't take away from it. But one of the things I think is gonna be really interesting at the BAO is we'll have to track the data as closely as we can. Let's look at how many games finish on day one as closely as we can tell versus day two. People who use the clock day one versus those who use the clock day two. Were they finishing more games? It's gonna be really interesting to see that information. I think the answer is an obvious yes, because you have to finish, <laughs> Yeah. but we'll see. And I think that that information, if we can track it well, is gonna be very telling. Um, so I'm really excited to see it in action. Yep. Yeah. So that was a lot of uh, information, but again, if you wanna scroll up, we do have a major this weekend. Uh, it's the Barnyard Brawl entry. 
Hmm. Uh, and that's in Greenville, uh, South Carolina. And then we have two GTs, the 2000 point ITC Game Wizard War Grand Tournament in Bremerton, Washington, and OzCon Warhammer 40K 2018 ITC GT in West Plains, Missouri. Also, uh, BrizCon, uh, uh, my cousin is running that in Australia. Uh, Nick, he's an awesome dude. Make sure to check that out. Uh, and that is coming up in the very near future. Go to uh, uh, Frontline Gaming AU and you can get it. That's the right URL, correct? I don't think so. God, I can't remember. Mm. Off the head. It's a, you can link to it off the uh, Frontline Gaming yeah, I don't think main it's AU. page. No, it's AU, Australia, okay. not EU. Get out, of here. <laughs> get out of here with your gun line. Frontline Gaming EU. There's uh, another one in, in Australia too, Baby Terra. Who? 2018. Yeah, there's a bunch of uh, Terra. In Victoria. There's a bunch of Terra. I can't remember. There. There's like a series of them that have that name. In I was going to do an anti-Australian joke, but I'm, I'm over it. Yeah, <laughs> I think we've grilled them enough. Yeah. Let's move on to like. Let's get a different, a different country. Let's do that. Oh, we we have our first, uh, one of our first South American ITC events coming up. What country? It's Ooh. in, oh my God, I'm drawing blanks left and right today. Interesting. It's in, I, I want to say, I can't remember. Brazil. I, want, it's, uh, I hope it's Brazil. It's not Brazil. There, there has go. been one. Let's go play. Yeah, Let's I know. Play. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. But um, keep your eye on the calendar. They're still getting everything organized, but that's pretty cool. Yeah. <clears throat> that's really cool. Uh, and then we have a couple of ITC uh, AOS events coming up this weekend, too. So make sure to jump out there, get your points. Uh, 40K ITC Top 10. 1,500 points, Age of Sigmar. I that's like it. That's the best name right on the, the tournament. It is yeah, what boom. it is. Uh, so we're, we've, people have started to participate in the Shadespire Hobby Track. I'm sorry, the Shadespire ITC, the 40K Hobby Track, and the AOS Hobby Track. So we're going to be cutting it down to the top five for brevity's sake. Mm -hmm. But uh, again, of course, if you want to see the full rankings, head on over to the ITC tab at frontlinegaming.org and you can see that. Because, of course, now there's thousands and thousands of 40K rankings. And yeah. I have hundreds, if not a thousand already, AOS. So yeah. uh, can't read them all. But 40K ITC top 10, Josh Death continues to lead the pack, followed by Matt Root in second. Daniel Sassone in third, Gary Frank in fourth, Sean Naden in fifth. Ooh, Sean Naden moving up. Yep. Boom. 40K ITC hobby track. Boom. People are starting to take advantage of it. Cedric Servia, currently number one, followed by Eric Dion. William Perrin in third, Jerome Pallon in fourth, Alex Alexis... Maltese. Maltese. Looks like it was an event in like Sweden or something. Yeah. Everyone. Take that. These guys are all in the same one. Yeah. yeah. But you know what though? I don't hey, think Van. People are starting Van to use it. Was there though? Nguyen. Van Nguyen. Nguyen. That's a Vietnamese name for yes. sure. But yeah, maybe someone. Who knows where this event was? He was he was visiting that Swedish store. <laughs> uh, AOS ITC top ten. Matthew Jones jumps into first place, dethroning Jared Zizueta, who was oh. falling into second. Wow. James Thomas moves into third. Uh, he got second at the Broadside Bash. Nice. And Joshua Harvey in fourth. And our boy, Vladnika. Vladnika, our favorite vampire. Love it. In fifth. Yeah. Uh, current top five uh, AOS ITC hobby track, Frank DeLoach. Bam. Yeah, Frank. He's currently in first place, followed by our friend Scott Reed. In second, Josh Greenfield in third. Chris Stifter in fourth. And Tyler Hamill in fifth. And your Shadespire top five. Uh, only one event out there so far. So whatever you got at that event is where you are yeah. in ITC. But of course, there's going to be more events rolling in as we go. Andrew Everhart currently leading the leaderboard. Mike Course in second. Matt Everhart in third, probably Andrew's brother. Uh, David Escobar in fourth. And Josue Ibarra in fifth. <laughs> I was like it. currently leading the leaderboard. That's like when uh, yeah. Austin Powers like, allow myself to introduce myself. 
I was like, nah, it didn't work. <laughs> All right. So uh, tactical topic of the day, adapting to a new post FAQ meta, kind of something in my eye. Mm. Uh, first of all, we wanted to give a little feedback for um, the last episode, obviously mega popular, getting thousands and thousands of downloads and watches on YouTube. We got a lot of like really, uh, we got a lot of feedback period. Obviously, whenever there's an FAQ, uh, it's very controversial. The last FAQ was a big one, it changed a lot. So it elicited some strong responses from people. Um, in the last YouTube, we, we were trying to keep it lighthearted and funny. We were a little snarky. Some of the feedback we got, people felt like we were being condescending, uh, a, a condescending tone. So we just want to say, like, uh, that wasn't the intent. We were trying to be funny. Uh, also, please understand, um, we get, like, screamed at <laughs> for, for a lot of the things in the FAQ, and we don't really have any control over it. Um, and sometimes we vent a little bit, too. So uh, if we had a tone that, um, I don't know, rubbed some people the wrong way, just want to say sorry, that wasn't what we were trying to do. Uh, although a lot of people also thought we were just keeping it real <laughs> and being very honest. So I don't know, if you liked it, cool. <laughs> but um, we don't gain anything by trying to talk down to the viewers. Uh, we love you guys and gals, and, and we're really thankful that you pay attention to the show, because otherwise this would be a wasted uh, part of our day. Wouldn't really be a show anymore. It wouldn't be much of a show. Uh, and we know we get a ton of positive feedback too. So to everybody that has our back and supports us and that gives us critical feedback, we just want to say thank you. But moving on, um, GW clarified the big question uh, that wasn't included in the FAQ. And on the last show, people were asking this. Mm -hmm. We couldn't answer the question because uh, due to the nature of the, our relationship with GW, we just kind of have to wait for them to take the lead a lot of the times on these things. So thankfully they answered the question really quickly. And uh, regarding, you know, can I, if I start on the table, can I use a redeployment trick? Uh, the answer is yes, right? Right, because there's so much in the game that had that written to the rules um, yeah. that it, it was something that should have been addressed initially, but it wasn't. But I'm glad that they, they quickly, yeah. which is the new Games, games Workshop model, they quickly addressed it. Because yes, there was, there's so many units that's like, you can teleport on your first movement. Well, yep. that's, well that's your first turn. You know, yeah. Can you? When the way it was yeah. worded, and like, like, like we, 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 there's, we have certain restrictions on the things we can and cannot say, obviously, but um, the, the, the raw at the time that we recorded the last show was no, because there was an FAQ question that existed prior, and we clarified that too. We were saying like, hey, it's kind of out of context, but this is all we have right now. Um, it indicated no. But GW clarified that that was not talking about this kind of uh, redeployment trick. Mm -hmm. So uh, for you Blood Angels players out there that were feeling a little rubbed raw, right. uh, hey, you can still kind of do your trick, but now you run the risk of getting shot on turn one if you go second. Uh, you have to start on the table to, yes. do, to do your trick. Uh, orcs, nothing's changed. <laughs> Keep on trucking, boys. Uh, uh, was some of the other ones like the the uh, Satan Shard of the Deceiver, the Veil of Darkness? Those things all work the way you intuitively thought they did. As yeah. long as you are deployed at the beginning of your turn. Yep. Being in deep strike reserve or whatever does not count as being deployed. Yep. yep. I feel that that shouldn't have to be clarified, but. Eh. Yeah. yeah. I mean, people really kind of have to go off raw because what else yeah. do they have, right? Like we have the benefit of knowing uh, rules as intended because we get the opportunity to talk to people that write the rules. Mm -hmm. But if it's not published, it's it's kind of difficult, right? Like, yeah. you're just like, take my word for it. Yeah. Um, so there you go, like that, that's a big deal, right? That really, that really changes the kind of the tone of the FAQ. 
they clarified that they were just talking about things coming out of reserves and then, you know, almost in many cases getting an assured charge without any way to really do anything about it. Mm -hmm. That was what they were trying to curtail. Right. You know, whether you agree with that or not, as a, a viewer, let us know in the comment section. Um, of course, everyone's going to have a different opinion. Uh, the FAQ has been really positively mm -hmm. received, although there's been a couple of controversial aspects of it. And that was, I think, the most controversial yeah. was changing the way the reserves works. Um, so and we'll jump into the question section here in a moment to uh, answer you guys' questions. Mm -hmm. But I really like that. I like that they, that they clarified that. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Grey Knights here in Scepters, as they noted, uh, they can... Uh, yeah, because they have the teleporter that lets them yeah. move. Yeah. So if, if they're at the top of turn one, they can then redeploy into uh, your opponent's um, deployment zone, even though it's not really a redeploy. They're using yep. it as a, a piece of war gear, so. Yeah, I mean, because the way it's worded is that you take them off the table and you re-put them. Yes. Them. So like, there yeah. was some confusion, but so now, kind of like settling into this new post FAQ meta, like we've been playing, I've got a bunch of league games and I've been playing Necrons, having a blast with them. Although I did get beat, I did lose, man. Unit of Striking Scorpions won the game. I literally couldn't kill them. They were, I, I do have a question though. They this Steven is actually, Seagal'd me, man. This is something that I was thinking about the other day is like, at what point, with all these changes, these chapter approves, these new beta rules, all this stuff, will they have to print a new rulebook? Because if somebody walks into a store now and is like, I have never heard of this game before, do I just buy the rulebook? It'd be like, yes, but you also need to go on, look at these FAQs, you also have to read these beta rules, you need to read chapter approved. It's getting kind of like, for me personally, I was just Conversant. thinking about this, like how, at what point are they going to have to um, say, okay, well, here's 1.2 of the rulebook or whatever like that and sell it physically? Because a lot of people want the physical book. You know, for rules. Well, a lot of like they, they probably wouldn't even put like FAQ questions into a rule book, right. anyways, because. But like, just, so like the beta are rules are, are literally yeah. changing the rules of the game. A lot of people say yeah. the same thing, right? Like a common complaint yeah. is, oh, I have to have all these rules. But the thing is, yeah. like, you have two options, Playa. Mm -hmm. One is you get the rule book and then nothing changes and any mistakes or imbalances are there for permanently. Right. Or you have a dynamic rule set in which you have a rule book, yeah. but then you have to modify it because they're they're correcting as you go. Right. It's one of the two. But if somebody were to buy, and again, I'm not really you, playing that, but this is more you, like my You need a rule book and chapter approved. If somebody goes and buys a book right now, a rule book, and they've never heard of this game before, they just saw the models, thought they look cool, they buy the rule book, and then they go in to play a pickup game or they go to a tournament or something at their local GT, like RGT, whatever, um, they would literally not be playing correctly. Well, I mean, you, you have to stay on top of the game, right? Right. Like, that, that's just the way it is. Um, if you're a very casual player and you're playing in, in your uh, basement or your garage with your buddies, mm -hmm. you know, you just pick up the rule book and yeah. play. Like, it doesn't matter at all. Yeah. And right? again, this is just something that's been on my mind. As, as all these things come out, I'm like, well, yep. what about the person just comes in because they think the models are cool and they buy well, a book? Most, most tournaments and stuff say yeah. make sure to look up the FAQs. Right. And they'll usually have the link to the FAQ. Um, yep. So, like, if you're going to an event, it does require a little bit of research and you have to go look at all those books. Right. But like we said, if you're just playing like a pickup game, a casual game at like a game store or at your home, like it doesn't really matter. Yeah. You can just open the normal rule book and play a game. It's, yeah. you don't need all these special rules. Um, these are just, these are more uh, in depth for like events or um, like if you're going to a narrative event or an apocalypse game or something like that, there'll be special rules that you have to look up and do some research for. And don't forget these beta rules are only for match play, mm -hmm. right? Like if you're not playing match play, half this stuff doesn't even apply to you. Yeah. Like you don't, you don't have to worry about it mm -hmm. at all, right? Like if you're playing power level, all you need is your codex and the rule book, just go have fun and don't worry about it, but right? It, 
it's always been the case with 40k and it's always going to be the case with a, a actual hardback like rule book is you'll have to look up these faq questions because i mean it's almost impossible to get something perfect on the first try yeah. like, well, especially with all the different scenarios all the different interactions yeah. of rules like it's it's nearly impossible mm -hmm. it is impossible right yeah. and because there is no definition of what is perfect yeah and the the, the change from eighth edition or from seventh to eighth it's a new it's a different game mm -hmm. this is a new game mm -hmm. right so and they're trying to get all the codexes out in a year ish yeah. year and a half like yeah it's inevitable that there's going to be a lot of things that need to be corrected mm -hmm. now if this rule set stays mm -hmm. like when eventually we roll into ninth edition when and if that happens um i would imagine that if they're going to stay with this rule set it's going to be way less like dramatic you mm -hmm. know what i mean like it's going to be more of a fine tuning and like you said speculatively speaking we don't know of course mm -hmm. but just guessing uh I would imagine that all the FAQ stuff, all the chapter proof stuff, all that stuff would get rolled into the new rule book with any rules changes they thought were pertinent. Mm -hmm. And then it would be like very familiar to someone who played, you know, the previous edition, but yeah. it would give you all that info. Right. Um, yeah. And the, the, the trade-off, like we said, like, do you want a game? Do you, do you want it to be the way it was in the very beginning with absolutely no changes? I think we all agree that would have been bad. Yeah. Right? Like. If you oh, want yeah, it, I definitely agree with you on that. With Storm like it's, Raven, it's better than we had. going first, you yeah. know, like that, that was, come on. Yeah. yeah, and I think it's something that we've always talked about on the podcast, like a living rule book would be amazing. You know, like an electronic, like there is no hardback. You yeah. have an electronic book that mm -hmm. can be updated. It takes a lot of work and it's a way different business model and who right. knows if GW will ever get there. But like, that's what you're basically asking for is something that constantly is being updated yeah, and stuff like that's that. That's official and that people yeah, would be able to which, like download, like somebody yeah. walks into the store and, and you know, the store owner or the GW employee says, hey, you know, this is the game and this is where yep. you go to get the rules and they're updated. Yeah, and, exactly. You know, that would be, I understand that you can't sell those. Yeah. Would, so, and for a company that needs to make money, that's an issue, but you know, it well, does get a little confusing. You can do a subscription model. Yeah. I mean, you mm -hmm. know, it, it, right. There's a million yeah. ways to do it, right? But Definitely. that's not the way GW does but it. No game's ever done that before, so no. I, I, don't, I don't know. I'm sure in the future something will happen like right. that, but who knows? I mean, you could charge every customer a buck a month, two bucks a month, whatever. Well, you just charge it just like a rule book, right? You say, here's $50 digital download. You and download you know, it, and you have it. Yeah, yeah. now it's auto-updated. Mm -hmm. so. <laughs> I don't but know. you know what? There's, there's a million ways to do it. That's a good question. Yeah. A lot of people ask the same yeah. thing, but it's like, like and I, said, it's only on my head because I've actually been trying to get back into the game after yeah. what yeah. half a year off. And so like I had to ask Frankie, I'm like, so what do I, I read the, the rules again, the four pages, but he's like, no, you need to go onto the community site. You need to download the FAQ. You need to go through the chapter proof. Like yeah. I had to do all that again. And yeah. I was like, it's, cool. it's a little bit of a research a project. Wonky. Yeah. So, <laughs> and that's part of the topic of, of adapting to a post FAQ meta is reading the FAQ and yeah. understanding the way, what it means. Right. Right. And so I think that what, what cause we've been playing a lot of league games here and uh, watching people play, watching people adapt to the way the game plays now post uh, beta rules coming out. And uh, my game, my league game last <clears> night, <throat> for example, uh, my opponent was playing Eldar, tons of deep striking units coming in all over the place. Uh, obviously he had to wait a turn uh, to go out of his deployment zone. It, now, of course, this isn't an assault army that really hinges on this. It really didn't make that much of a difference. It's actually to his benefit uh, uh, to wait. As Frankie and I said, a lot of times it's actually beneficial to come in on turn two with non-critical units, right? Yeah. Um, like the, the unit that won, won him the game is tracking scorpions. Had he come in on turn one, they would have gotten smoked 
easy. But I was starting to move up the table and I left a gap. He came in behind me in my backfield and that stupid unit won him the game because I couldn't, I just couldn't kill them. Um, had he been super aggressive, gone turn one, I, in all likelihood, who knows, maybe he would have made every dang save again. Yeah. Um, but I would have been in a position to charge him, you know? Yeah. The, the, the game developed, the board opened up, and it gave him more more places to go. Yep. And um, big shout out to Jeff. Thank you very much for beating up on Reese. I appreciate <laughs> it. That's the first league game I've lost. We're in the same. Yeah. Uh, we're in the same. Break. He's actually done quite well. Because you haven't played like, me yet, Reese. Smoked, um, I beat you last season. Who's the player that has the three Bane blades in his list? Anthony. 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 He smoked yeah. Anthony. Did he really? Yeah. He beat Anthony. Too? He had a bunch of those lances. Oh, oh Jeff. Oh, that's right. He told me about that. Yeah. So yeah. He's, he's a sneaker. He's like. Is Jeff yeah, undefeated? Because he's so nice. He lost to. James, or he, I can't remember who he, he lost one game. Gotcha. But by the way, if you're an Eldar player, uh, you need to have 10 jet bikes with scatter lasers that's as Doom and Guide. Pretty good. Holy It's a lot of shots. I was like, say, come again? <laughs> he yeah. shot my wraiths and just like nuked them, but I brought a bunch back. I got lucky with my reanimation protocol strategy, but wow. Pretty good. Wow. Pretty good. And uh, what, what we've noticed in seeing other people play it, um, it, it, it does give you a little bit of a cushion, right? To kind of let, let the game develop a little bit. Yeah. Um, and now that you can redeploy, uh, like say you have a big unit of Death Company or Sanguinary Guard, uh, if you're using good terrain, which is, we've been saying it all editions, critical to having a fun game, you can put your Sanguinary Guard out of line of sight and then use your stratagem right. to go up the table, smash somebody in the face. Um, Hopefully this is going to strike the, the, it'll thread the needle. Yeah. For the people that were really upset, the people really liked it because, you know, their army, it gave them some time to like set up defenses and not just get smashed. Um, and then if you're the army that was doing the smashing, you can kind of still do it. It's a little bit more fair maybe because you have a chance to get shot. Maybe you agree, maybe you don't agree with that statement. Mm -hmm. But I think that as we're kind of settling into it, people are seeing that, as we said, it's not quite as good or as bad as people had initially reacted to it. Um, I'm curious to hear what people say in the chat, but uh, that, that's been what we've observed so far. Yeah, and I'll say it again. I mean, we didn't, or I don't personally agree with like the power level change for the Deep Strikers. Like, I, I like the change to the Deep Strike personally, but the power level thing I think was a little much. But what you're gonna see, it's really gonna change up the meta, like especially for like turn two, like your movements are really gonna change, especially for like your opponents. If you have a big death company unit in reserve, they have to be staying back on turn two to like screen their army. Mm -hmm. And that changes the entire way the game plays. Like you'll be able to go grab objectives that maybe you normally wouldn't be able to grab, um, stuff like that. So it's really gonna shift it up. And maybe you're tricky and you go, I'm not bringing them on turn two. I'm gonna yep. bring them on turn three. Now that player has to decide if he's gonna go out after those objectives. If he's gonna stay back, it really changes the way the game plays, so. And when, when I was playing Blood Angels, which to be fair, I haven't in a while, but when I was, I would often go turn one, turn two anyway. And you can do that now. Like for example, you wanna put your death company on the table to do your trick, jump forward, clear the screen, and then the sanguinary guard come down turn two and then they go in. That was what I was doing anyway, and you can still do it. It's just a little bit, uh, you don't get perfect defense for both units while they're off the table. Um, so that, that's gonna be uh, kind of like, a, again, it's like kind of a nice compromise, I think. Um, and it's gonna give your opponent a chance to, to, to count, try to counteract you. Yeah. Um, so in that way, I agree with you, right? It's, it's gonna make turn two the big turn. Uh, hopefully it'll speed the game up a little bit too. Yeah, maybe. Because turn one is like everything was coming in mm -hmm. and and uh and all that and then you know for those of you who are just shaking your head going 
all Reese just trying to make it sound good. Hey, two of my armies got bricked. Like, yeah. I have two of my armies. Like, I literally just got finished, almost finished painting one of them. It doesn't function anymore. So, I mean, I, I get it. I feel your pain, right? Like, you know, it is what it is, though. We have to adjust. Uh, the other big one, the terrain one, um, it started a really interesting conversation <clears throat> on wobbly model syndrome. Uh, probably one of the most controversial rules in the game. Like, it's always been controversial. Well, because it's, it's so nebulous, yeah. right? Like, uh, playing a, a game of three-dimensional models without tiles, you know, squares to mm -hmm. move into, it's really difficult. Um, so it's like, how do you deal with this? And it, the thing that, that kind of threw me for a loop, and it's always interesting when other people read a rule and they have a different interpretation, um, you know, to my best knowledge, right, without being the guy that wrote the rule, I understand it to have only meant to apply to ruins. But the way it's written, and in the last show, someone was like, well, hey, it says for terrain pieces such as ruins, Adeptus yeah. Mechanicus, um, people are reading it all as all terrain, mm -hmm. not just as ruins. And the way this sentence is structured, I can see how you, you draw that conclusion. It's causing confusion, and then you're seeing all the memes appear on online with people standing on like a, a box. Yeah. And you're like, you can't assault me. Again, I'm not speaking for Games Workshop. I can't. Mm -hmm. But that is, I, I would say, with an extremely high degree of certainty, that's not the intent of the rule. It's, it's specifically meant to apply to ruins. Like, they give the examples, ruins, adeptus, mechanicus, terrain. It's not meant to apply to any terrain. Um, so that, that's definitely a cause of some confusion. But uh, I think this is where you want to uh, talk about applying wobbly model uh, syndrome. But uh, it's clearly something that's caused a lot of, of good discussion and controversy because uh, it, is, it is kind of confusing how it works, how assault works in multi-level buildings. Uh, I think that's something that's going to require some more clarification. Yeah. Um, and if you're a TO, uh, you may want to freestyle a little bit on this one yep. would be my advice because otherwise I think that rule is going to cause a lot of um, arguments as it is now. Yeah, no, I agree. So... Um, and adapting to that one is going to be a challenge. Um, you definitely want to talk to your TO how they want to interpret it, talk to your opponent mm -hmm. how they want to interpret it before the game begins. Uh, I would encourage people to read the rule as applying to ruins only, not to anything, uh, even though I do understand how you could read it that way. Mm -hmm. um, I don't believe that was the intent. But again, I'm not trying to speak for the writers of the FAQ because I'm not them. Um, but yeah, that, that one was a tough one. Yep. Yeah, that was a tough one. So uh, check out these recently completed commissions. Uh, the studio has been absolutely kicking ass. Yeah. These Blood Angels are a tabletop standard with yep. a level three basing. Um, it the looks basing like level three. is for yeah. Well, if you have a textured base or like a, a printed base, then yes, it would be considered level three because they need to be painted. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's tabletop. It looks really nice, nice, clean, crisp lines. Um, it has, also has decal work, um, yep. which we can do for you as well. Um, the yeah, Redemptor. very basic. The Redemptor's magnetized, yep. fully magnetized, um, and uh, yeah, looks great. It's a very affordable way to get your force together. Large forces, small forces, this is a very small detachment for this guy. Um, but it also includes a special character down at Tabletop, which we can do for you as well. And um, yeah, it came out really nicely. Yeah, and Tabletop's a mid-level standard. Mm -hmm. Uh, tabletop Plus is what most people co come to us for. Yeah, for high standard. Yeah. It is, because it, it's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, tabletop, though, looks great. I think it's a great option. It's a great value. You, know, you, get, you get the nice clean, like the way that we, we say, you're going to get a nice clean base coat. You're going to get minimal highlighting, minimal shading. You know, details will be picked out. Not every single, you know, every, not every eye lens is going to be, you know, three colors in it. But it looks fantastic. And it's, it's better than what you will normally see 
on a tabletop. And then we have the tournament standard, which is our lowest standard, but it's still very nice. It's still nice and clean, multiple colors. You know, you can get the basing done however you want. It's yeah. just, yeah, lots of different. And then we have master class, of course, which is the highest. We only have a couple artists who actually have the skill level to pull that off. That's but if you amazing. want, if, and, and we can do large armies like that as well. So if you, if, if money's not an issue for you, if, if you just want the um, amazing looking large army done, we can do that for you too. Yep. Yeah, we actually can do whole armies at Masterclass now. That's yeah, new. That's new. Um, yep. And if you are looking for the absolute tippy top, best of the best, yep. it, it would be uh, amazing army. So definitely check that out. Yep. Yep. Uh, and then here's a, a tabletop plus. These are in controls, uh, Deptus Custodes. Right. I'll be showing more of these as we go through the week because mm -hmm. uh, they are uh, getting finished up. And then we have a tabletop plus. Someone corrected me. I thought it was the the butcher, but he's Karchev the Terrible. Yeah, it's his yeah. other form. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, yeah. Again, if you if you're a War Machine horse player, or if you do both, if you play, you know, uh, you probably don't have a lot of War Machine players specifically listen to us. But if you play multiple game systems, yeah. and you wanted to get your War Machine models painted up, we can do those too. They look fantastic. That yep. model skips leg day, by the way. Yeah. A lot of War Machine models are the just the classic bodybuilder pose. It's very tiny legs. It's like the gym at eight o'clock. Yeah. yeah. All of the wardrobe like like just tiny. a big triangle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not then, a good triangle. And then lastly we have an Inquisitor Eisenhorn. Beautiful Ooh. model. Looks great. Level Table three basing. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Mm -hmm. So let's jump in and answer some questions um, in the chat. And then again, the conversation has kept going about the hobby track. Obviously now it's taken off. So some really good discussion going on about that. Uh, about the hobby track and, and how to deal with commission painting. Because um, a lot of people are like, hey, like, I don't think it's fair to compete against the pros, but then it's like, well, you're gonna be competing against the pros anyway, because they're gonna be entering their own stuff. Um, so it's, it's a really interesting discussion. And I think we're, where we've kind of, of, of landed with it is if you did not paint your army, make sure to give credit to the studio or artist that did it. And uh, you can keep the prize for it because you, you bought it, it's yours, it's your army. You're making the event look better. You're making it look cooler. But then let's credit the person that actually painted it. Yeah. Uh, and and we can notate that on the rankings. It's going to take some time to do that. But I think that's kind of like the middle ground um, where it where it uh, fell, because it's you just you can't expect like the reality of it is people are going to bring armies that they didn't paint themselves or they didn't paint entirely. Mm -hmm. Like that's going to happen. You don't want to turn them away from your event. You don't want to disincentivize them from coming. Uh, you don't want to punish them. Uh, it makes the event better looking. Um, but yeah, share your thoughts. Of, of course, we always want to hear that. Can you still bring knights for CSM and Space Marine when they don't, when they don't have any other um, keyword in common other than Imperium and uh, Chaos? No, yeah, yeah, of course you can. Um, the restriction on soup is within a detachment. Yes. Yeah, it's not within your army. It's within a detachment. Yeah. A lot of people misunderstood that. I was amazed at how many people didn't think that was actually happening. Yeah. I was shocked at how many people were like, what, no one does that anyway. I'm like... I think a lot of people I, didn't realize that you could do it, so... Yeah, because... <laughs> I, I think that's probably more likely is that people actually didn't know they, they could do it. And yeah. then if people did it, they're like, why are you doing it? Yeah. You know, it's, it's very... You didn't see it too often, but you only saw it in the very high competitive games, I felt. Yeah. yeah the people who were there to like... They, they don't care about models. They just like... I need this this aura. I need this this. You know what I mean? It's it's very fine tuned. Yeah. yeah. The uh, uh, this inner soup, the inner detachment soup, was happening at high level play. Um, extremely common, extremely strong, and that was like it was. I was amazed how many people like had a different definition for what soup meant. 
Yeah. Like a lot of people think soup is just when you have allies. And we were like, uh, what? Like, no, it, the, the definition that I've been operating under this whole time is if you have a, det a detachment, like let's say you have one detachment that has uh, Space Marines, uh, Inquisition, Assassin, all this in one yeah. detachment. That was what it was being addressed at. Um, and it, it was being ha done a lot. It was very good and it was also very annoying. Yeah. It was really confusing. Yeah. I think the confusion came from saying soup opposed to like soup detachment or soup army. You know? Yeah, because yeah. you can take multiple yeah. different types of detachments in the same army yeah. without yeah. penalty. Soup, soup armies are still a thing. Soup detachments are not. Kenny from uh, Next Level Painting. What's up, Kenny? How you doing, buddy? Uh, he noted that it was the most common way reason people were doing it was to get a brigade yeah. by cherry picking cheap things from each slot. Yeah. And to get a brigade, really, really commonly done with Chaos and Imperium, um, to just get those uh, extra CP and then to use the CP for a different detachment. Yep. That was the kind of abusive part of it. I mean, it was legal, but it was like definitely not intended by Games, games Workshop. Uh, this, this question comes up a lot. Uh, uh, hold, uh, Don asked, are we going to do the hobby track at the BAL? Yeah, of course. We're going to do yeah. the hobby track at every single event we run. Uh, count on it. How is Inari supposed to be played now since you can't mix and match? Dark Eldar, Eldar, and Harlequins in the same detachment. You, you take a different detachment of each. Yeah. I've seen that come up a lot. Um, in the different uh, I don't have the rules right in front of me either, and I hate answering rules questions when I'm not like super confident on it. So... Uh, how is it meant to be played? I don't know. Do you mean like strategically? Do you mean technically with the rules? I think some people are com confused about like, can't, how can you play Inari now? That's the you know, question. Just go reread the rules. I, 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 every time I answer a question off the cuff and I get it wrong, it just comes back to haunt me. So I don't want to, mm -hmm. people are like, oh, you're an idiot. You don't know anything. I'm like, Ugh, I don't know every rule it just means in the that game off the top of my head. It means like you can still take, you just everything in that detachment has to have the keyword Inari. Correct? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let me see. Play books have the Chaos Nurgle faction keyword now. Only how does one bring them without demonic ritual? Hmm. Again, I, I don't want to answer that off the top of my I don't yeah, fully we'd, understand. We'd have to question. look at the faction keywords. Though. Yeah. So, so Play Cult then would only be able to be um, in an all. I don't know. We'd have to look does at Does anybody it. have any non rules yeah. questions? Is that a Forge Roll deal? <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, play gold. It's actually pretty damn good. Or does anybody have any questions about the topic, which is um, the FAQ? Yeah. Yeah. How are you guys adjusting to the FAQ? Let's let's do that. I'm not. A, I, we're, neither Frankie nor myself is a walking rules encyclopedia. I'm sorry, we can't answer all these super technical, specific questions off the top of our head. That's what all your hundreds of emails are for. Oh God. <laughs> How do bolt pistols work? I hate. Oh, the rules <laughs> questions. Are, it's incessant. And I just want to start aiming people at... We should have a spam folder they all at, go to. At, at, War, at Warhammer's Facebook page. Yeah. And then Eddie's going to be like, damn, you read. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to do this. Uh, <laughs> oh, God, I forgot to put the update pictures of my Tau Army. Um, my Tau Imperial Guard Army. That's actually really funny. I keep forgetting to put the update pictures of the army in oh. the show notes. I forgot to do it again. Uh, my bad. Okay. <laughs> If one player has three monoliths and two Nightbringers, how many points is the armory? I don't know. That was funny, though. 3,000. A million. Uh, I'm starting to not enjoy so many car votes for match play versus other. I don't understand uh, that. Zero Charisma, I was going to say I'm starting to not enjoy so many car votes for, for match play versus other. types of play. I have no idea what that means. I'm sorry. I think maybe you mistyped. Um, sorry. 
Lax Clown Face says, uh, losing my Blood Letter Bomb on turn one. I still love my Demon Army. Yeah, I've got a Corn Army I've been working on, like here and there forever. Mm -hmm. um, and I was, the way I play mine is I, I have, it's not all demons. I have a bunch of um, like mutants and cultists to start on the table. So it's like, for me, it wasn't that big of a deal. I just wait a turn to drop in the Blood Letter Bomb. Um, I still have my badass Demon Prince of Corn uh, with the Super Axe that makes him into like Guillemin level of uh, offensive output. Um, so I, for me, it wasn't that big of a deal, but if you're playing mono corn demons, I could see how that could be, um, could de the FAQ could definitely uh, be a kick in the nuts for you. Uh, yeah, Kenny, <laughs> Kenny answers your question about the demons. So uh, good. <laughs> somebody created a profile on the blog, it's Recio. Mm. <laughs> Is he evil, a robot? He's my evil twin. Oh. And he takes credit for anything bad that happens in 40K. It's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> Whoever Recio is, I applaud you, sir. <laughs> He's like, it is I, the evil Recio. <laughs> I was like, this guy's amazing. See, this is, this is what I like is here is this comment, right? Had to throw in some Slanesh and those girls rock it. So like this change forced this player, which is a waxy clown face, <laughs> to, uh, to look for something else to add to the list, something that they would never have even looked at. Or, you know, I think it's, it's good for the hobby. Yeah. Right, like this is it forces player to to look at. Okay, I can't do this anymore. Let me look at some other units that are in my codex, and not yeah. just only focus on the ones that are completely optimized for this. Um, and I'm sure this person's having a lot more fun, you know. Yeah, the, the actually the beta rule FAQ actually made a good point. Like uh, Secrets of Slanesh can first turn charge with ease because they're so fast. Yep. So it's like maybe consider putting some of those in your army. Again, we're not trying to say GW did it to make you buy models or silly stuff. The people, yeah. all these conspiracy theories that pop up. Mm -hmm. We're, like, we're just trying to, to put a positive spin on the FAQ reality, to help yeah. people see that it's not all bad. Right. It's not all good either, but right. yeah. here's what you can do with, within the context of the yeah. way that things are now. And just giving you options, you know, because a lot of people will put their blinders on and be like, oh, the right. sky is falling. A lot, and a lot of it's me, anything, like so. what happened to me, poor me, yeah. or this thing that I did. And, and it's not, you, you got to look at the, the health of the hobby as a whole. Yeah, we're, we're just trying to get you to open up and look at like other things you can yeah. take and do. Yeah, we're not trying to justify anything that they did, that, that GW did. It's just this is reality, right? It's time to adapt yeah. and adjust, and we're trying to present positive options to adjust. So yeah, like maybe put some seekers in your army, and uh, then you can run in on turn one, tie them up. Turn they they tend to die because they're fragile. Yeah. And then turn two, the blood letter bomb comes in. Maybe that's a way you can adapt. Yeah. Um, to it. Uh, Alex Holly says, what should I do for my Thousand Suns? Should I ally in some Havocs? Are Predators good? Predators are great. Predators are good, yeah. Tanks are good. Yeah, they are. In really general, good. like, I, uh, people don't take a lot of the, like, all tank armies or multi-tank armies or anything like that. I have so much trouble against that. If somebody has multi-toughness, seven armor, three, 12 wound vehicles running around. You just have to screen them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, Kenny says, uh, FAQ has me innovating left and right. I hate the Deep Strike anti-Alpha Strike beta. Uh, but I am improving my lists, I think, instead of um, just spamming. Right. So Kenny, Kenny feels like he's been inspired by it, which I think is cool. Gets rid of the hoose and crutch. Uh, <laughs> the hoose and crutch. Uh, that one guy, 248, says the new Tau meta is going to be like 100 plus Fire Warriors now. Well, that's cool, because that's what I was already going to do anyway, so. That's why Reese made that rule. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, sorry, Recio. 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 Oh, got it again. Yeah, that, that fiend. Reese just called up GWHQ. He's like, get me on the phone with the president of Games Workshop. You mean I the, need Fire the Lord and Master. Yeah. <laughs> the, the low king of we the have a We have a red phone in the office. You're like, get me the CEO. The red phone? <laughs> like Batman? Yeah. Uh, Amazing. Uh, Variam says, I'm pretty excited that all my Xenos armies 
that are lacking screens are getting way better. And that is specifically why the deep strike change was made. That like very amp just hit the nail on the head. It's for the armies that don't have uh, good screens or out of deployment zone screens, right? Mm -hmm. They were the ones who were getting hit the hardest by the out of reserve stuff. And again, you may not agree that it was a problem at all, and that's totally cool. We're not trying to say that it was, we're just trying to say why the decision was made. And Variant just hit the nail on the head, right? Like, if you're an AdMech player that played pure AdMech, you have almost no screening options, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and it was really tough. Of course, the argument can be made in reserve, in reverse, that getting shot by AdMech with all the mortal wounds on turn one's pretty rough, too, yeah. as you've experienced. Oh. And that's a fair point, but um, that was why the choice was made, whether you agree with it or not. It was to give people a chance to mm -hmm. set up a defensive right. perimeter. And if you're playing with enough terrain on the board, which you should be doing at this point, because I keep saying it, that 8th edition 40K needs just as much terrain as an Infinity game needs at this point. Um, yeah. I think it's just as important. If you have enough, then yes, add mech are powerful shooting, but you're not going to get shot off the board if you have places that you can put your models. If you don't, if you're playing on Planet Bowling Ball, then you're dealing with it. Yeah. Every day, every time you play your opponent, you're going to get shot off the board. So. You know, that's a good thought to kind of end the discussion with. Um, and then, of course, please give us feedback. Uh, we had a letter come in from, uh, I believe it was a Swedish, it might have been uh, Norwegian, um, ITC enthusiast, but he was saying that a lot of times they play ETC missions or they play book missions, which are significantly different. And he was saying that they almost exclusively use GW terrain, mm -hmm. which, as all of you guys and gals out there know, unless you build it specifically for the bottom level to be line of sight blocking, it's full of holes, right? And that was why we made the terrain change for the suggestion for the ITC, is to count the bottom levels of ruins as being uh, line of sight blocking. Yep. And it's because a lot of that terrain doesn't actually block yeah. line of sight. And in this edition, if you have all GW terrain on the table, it may as well be an open table. Like, you're gonna, like, because you can see everything, right? Like I can see a speck of that guy through four windows and I'm yeah. gonna blow up the whole unit. Yeah. Um, and that's why we really suggest people consider using that rule or physically going in and blocking all the doors and windows on your train to make the game. It makes the game so much more fun, it's not even funny. It makes the game infinitely more enjoyable. Assault armies are good. Close range shooting armies are good. Uh, it's not just a, a gun line sit and shoot and nuke um, uh, addition. And what, what makes the game even more fun is if you have fully enclosed buildings that you can go inside. Uh, again, you don't want too many of them, just like two or three, maybe four. It, it makes maneuver so much more important to the game. Um, and it, it really does change the game. It, it completely changes the meta. Yeah. Uh, terrain has a massive impact on it. So yeah. um, You need, I mean, it's so important in this edition. Yeah. Like going forward in any edition with these types of rules, you have to have the correct amount of terrain. Yep. You have to. It's just not going to be fun. You're going to get blown off the table. You're going to start hating the game. You're going to blame gunline armies. And, and the, the fact is that you just don't have enough terrain on the board. Make it if you need to. Yeah. 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 We, we've been saying like we've been saying it since the 8th Ed, like, before it came out. Like, as soon as we were allowed to start talking about it, we were like, if you want to enjoy this edition, you need lots of terrain. You have to be able to hide. Yeah. It's just, it's a totally different game. And then to the point to the letter that the gentleman wrote in, um, playing book missions is a very, very different experience than playing progressive missions like the ITC Champions missions or Nova missions or Adepticon or, or whichever flavor you prefer. Um, it is a very different experience. Because uh, yeah. GW missions, it tends to favor, annihilate your opponent. Uh, and then really when 
walk over their carcasses onto the objective at the end of the game, um, and, and, and you win. So uh, it's a different experience. They're not bad missions. They're good. They're simple. They're easy to understand. Mm -hmm. Much more easy to understand than the progressive style missions. But uh, it's a different game when you play that way. It really, really is. Uh, yeah. What are your guys' thoughts on, uh, on terrain and, and missions uh, and how it impacts the way that people experience 8th edition? Yeah, well, I mean, most events you go to are using different missions than just book missions. Um, the variety always helps the game. Um, but it makes a more exciting game, in my opinion. Um, and then the terrain, of course, like you want enough terrain, but you also don't want too much terrain because uh, too much terrain, of course, is always bad because now you have just too many places for people to hide and now they can just charge you whenever they want. So it's, it's a fine line that you got to walk. Like you need enough line of sight blocking to where you can't hide your entire army, but you can, you can hide a lot of it. Uh, and then you still have to make those tough choices. Well, you can shoot this unit um, if you deploy over in this side and stuff like that. So it's a good point. If you have too much enclosed terrain, assault units become too strong, right. which I know a lot of you out there are going to be scoffing at. <laughs> But we have had experiences where if you have too many buildings on the table, uh, assault units will never get shot, they'll never get overwatched, and they will dominate the game. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you know, Gunline 40K, which is what a lot of people call it, all of a sudden the Gunline is, is less than useless. Mm -hmm. They'll never shoot. Yeah. And we, Frankie and I have had games where I took a tank, a Lehman Rust tank army, where I shot the tanks maybe one turn. Because he would go into buildings, charge from inside the building. Obviously, when he's in it, I can't shoot him. I can't go into it because I'm a vehicle. Charge out of it. I didn't see him when he charged, so I can't overwatch. And then he just goes in and just keeps tagging my tanks. I never even get to shoot. So, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Too much terrain actually can create a, a problem. Right. Um, a couple of good comments in there. Ghost Valley says he's loving his ITC terrain set. Thank you. Uh, Next Level Painting Kinney said playing at... Uh, the LVO with the ITC terrain, which every table pretty much mm -hmm. had it. said he made him feel like he was playing fourth edition again, where they had abstract terrain rules, which a lot of you guys won't understand that reference. Mm -hmm. um, in fourth ed, a terrain piece just block line of sight. It didn't matter what it looked like. Yeah, it was like a forest. Like, and they were supposed to be like infinite. Well, there was levels. Like, yeah, there was levels. Like different levels. It was weird. I actually think that that is for, for tournament play. Abstract terrain rules are superior yeah. for casual play, for narrative play. True line of sight is way better because it feels natural, yeah. right? But in a tournament, abstract terrain, I really do think it's the better system. It's what War Machine uses too. Yeah. Because um, then you can make it look however you want, and then you're like the silhouette of this blocks terrain, blocks uh, line of sight up to like yeah. you know, level three. You can make it all flat if you really wanted to. Yeah. yeah. It, 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 it for for the logistics of running a tournament, it actually makes it. Uh, yeah. It doesn't look easier. good, but. Oh, cool. was, that a, was that a dig at War Machine? Well, no, I'm just saying, like, if you do abstract terrain rules, it doesn't matter what it looks like. Yeah. So, and, and we, at that point, flat terrain actually makes a lot of yeah, sense. Yeah, you just, put, down you just put your models on them, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's really but it doesn't look good. Nope. No. So thanks for uh, tuning in, everybody. We appreciate it. Hope you guys have a good one. Hopefully we answered some of your questions and uh, made you guys a little bit more open to the beta rules. So. Yeah, and uh, hopefully y'all are adapting to the post-FAQ meta a lot. We had a lot of great comments in there. We didn't get to read them all. Sorry about that. Uh, we did have one player laughing. He's like, my Necrons really haven't changed at all. Yeah. Yeah. Enjoy it. So thank you very much, and we will talk to you all again next Wednesday. Hello, everyone. Petey Pop here. When I'm not recording Chapter Tactics, I'm running the Frontline Gaming Secondhand Shop. If you are on a budget, it's a great place to find models. Who knows? You might even find your diamond in the rough.